welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Hey, if we haven't met, my name's Dan. Part of the team here at Highway, myself and my wife Courtney, we run the youth ministry here. We're having so much fun. We're really seeing God work through that youth ministry. And can I tell you that we're excited? Come on. Hey, why don't we thank the band? You guys are amazing, hey? How good was praise? How cool was praise today? Come on. Awesome. It's such an honor to get to bring the word this morning, hey. I really, I, really, I really believe God has given me a word for now, a word for the church, and I really hope you guys catch what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to put out, yeah? Come on. So I'm going to start. I'm going to read from a bit of scripture that we've, heard, we've all heard a lot of times this year, right? It's Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to have to ask for a bit of grace too, guys, because... Uh, my voice came under attack this week. I actually lost my voice on Friday, so I'm at about 80% right now. So if I squeak or I rattle, I apologize. All right, so it starts. Here we go. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw the water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now the river, now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen so deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salt water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eneglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Come on. 
Hey, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this privilege it is, Lord. I thank you for this honor to bring the word today, Lord. And I ask that as these words come out of my mouth, Lord, that they aren't my own, but they are yours, Lord, and that they touch the hearts of every person in this place. Lord, I pray that no one would leave here without hearing from you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, I have a pretty active imagination. So when I read that, that bit of scripture, I'm seeing the temple, I'm seeing the water flowing out of the temple and walking through the water, the life springing up everywhere, the water becoming fresh. It is such a powerful piece of scripture, such a powerful piece of imagery. And I think from, from this bit of scripture, God's put three things on my heart that I want to share with you today. First, I'm going to tell you a story, though. And before the story, I'm going to give you a bit of a shorter story for context, right? (laughs) So my mum never learned how to swim growing up, right? It wasn't until I was 10 years old when she realized she had three boys that absolutely loved the water that maybe it was time she learned how to swim, right? So we didn't have a lot of money, so the solution was that I would teach her how to swim. So at 10 years old, I taught my mom how to swim. We went down to the local pool. I got her holding onto the edge, kicking, swimming through the pool with the boogie board, all this stuff. Taught her how to swim, which was great, you know? Mom was stoked. Anyway, so, so if, you, if we skip ahead three or four years, mom's gone away on holiday with a family friend and my two brothers up, up the Sunshine Coast to a beach house there, right? This is a beach house we'd been to a fair lot because our family friends owned it. And, and like we were fairly familiar with the water. But see, mum, having only been swimming for a few years, had never had the confidence to swim in the ocean. But this, this trip here, for, for whatever reason, she, she had developed this confidence that now she was a strong enough swimmer, she could go out and swim in the ocean, go out, go out deep where she can't touch. Before then, I don't think I'd ever seen mum go past knee deep, Right? So mum, mum swims out. My brothers are probably on their boogie boards or skim boards or something over here. Mum swims out past where the waves are breaking to try and get to where it's a bit nice to swim. And she's having an awesome time swimming until she turns around and sees how far away from the shore she is. She's a lot further from the shore than she thought she was. Right, so she tries to start swimming back. And it doesn't matter how hard she swims back, she keeps moving further and further away from the shore. And mum realizes in this moment that she's caught in a rip and she, she can't save herself. She, she puts her hand up, right? Like, as you do, it's a patrol beach. Now, lucky for her, there's this 16-year-old young man who's a lifesaver. It's a, quite a quiet beach, so he was very excited to be able to save someone, right? So I reckon probably... <laughs> Probably even before mum put her hand up, he was already... But it only took him a couple of minutes to get out to where she was because he was familiar with the water. He knew the rip. He could, he could ride that rip out to mum, and he managed to, to get to her, put her on the board, bring her to shore, and, and, and rescue her. But I'll tell you this story. The point of the story is, see, mum didn't know the water. Mum wasn't familiar with the water, and when the current came, the current caught her and took her away. But see, the lifesaver, he knew the water. He was familiar with the water. So when, the water, when he got in the water, he went with the water with intention. He wasn't swept away by it. He caught it. He didn't, yeah. So my first point is don't get caught, catch. See, how do we catch the water? See, see this river, this river is, is the Holy Spirit. 
this river that flows from the temple, that flows from heaven, is the Holy Spirit that carries God's presence, that carries God's power, it carries the gospel, it carries the authority to set captives free, it carries the, the it mends the brokenhearted, it carries God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. How do we catch this water? So we need to familiarize ourselves with the water. And the way that we familiarize ourselves with the water is one-on-one, intimate, intentional time with God. This is something that I, that I talk to, to our youth leaders about, something I talk to our young people about a fair bit, is you need to find your love language with God. Right? Because we're not, we're not all built the same. See, God didn't push us out of a mold or make us with a cookie cutter, right? So our relationship with God shouldn't be a cookie cutter relationship. Just need a drink. <laughs> Psalm 139 verses 13 to 15 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You notice that you weren't made on an assembly line. You weren't made, you weren't pushed out of a mold, you weren't made with a cookie cutter, right? You were knit together. Now, obviously, David's using some imagery here, some, some, some like figurative imagery, but what it means is this. What it means is you were made with intention. You were made individual. You were made uniquely. So your relationship with God, it needs to be with an intention. It needs to be unique. It needs to be individual to you. See, God doesn't expect you to fit a mold because he didn't make you with one. Now, when you're working out your love language, and I, we, we all need to know our love language with God, right? But when you're working out your love language, there's three things you need. Three things that are non-negotiable with your relationship with God, right? That is the word, that is worship, and that is uh, prayer. Come on. <laughs> Right, see, my love language, I know my love language is the word. If you give me a day where I have no commitments, you put me somewhere where I've got nothing to do, and you give me a Bible, I will spend hours in the word and I will just soak in it, I will meditate on it, I'll chew it, I'll, I'll read as much as I can and I'll spend time with God and I'll come away feeling refreshed, feeling refilled, feeling like I've bonded with my, with my creator, right? But see, Courtney, Courtney's, Courtney's love language is worship. Courtney connects to God and worship in a way that I never can, that I can't understand, right? And if Courtney was to spend hours in the Word, she wouldn't come away feeling refreshed and refilled. She'd come away feeling drained and defeated. See, if your love language isn't the Word, you still need to be spending time in it, but see, five minutes that edifies you is better than an hour that drowns you. But see, if I was just to take the word and forget about worship, forget about prayer and just spend time in the word, I would end up like a Pharisee knowing about God, but not actually knowing God. 
In the same way, if Courtney was to just take worship and, and, and not spend time in the Word, not spend time in prayer, she would, how would she know the God that she worships? How would she even know that she is worshiping God? And now prayer. Prayer is non-negotiable. Let me tell you, prayer, I'm not talking on your knees in the morning and, and at night on the side of your bed. That's good. But what I'm talking about is constant. What I'm talking about is honest, open, unfiltered dialogue with your heavenly Father. See, when I say unfiltered, I don't mean you're using coarse language. I don't, say, I don't mean you're saying crude things, but I mean you're not holding anything back. You're not putting that mask on that we put on when we come to church. You're not putting that facade on that says I'm all good. You're not putting... Uh, uh, a covering on you that says, God, I don't need you, or, or I'm okay with this. See, it means when it hurts, you talk to God about it. It means when it's good, you talk to God about it. It, mean, it means when it's unfair, you talk to God about it. It means when you don't understand, you talk to God about it. It means when you're struggling with temptation, you talk to God about it. It means when you give in to temptation, you talk to God about it. And I intentionally use the word dialogue here because this, this prayer time, this time of conversation with your heavenly father, you need to give him a chance to respond. This is prayer isn't a monologue. Prayer isn't a list of requests. Prayer isn't a list of complaints. Prayer is a conversation with your father. See, I wasted so much time in my relationship with God, putting a mask on saying I was okay. It doesn't matter. I don't care that I don't understand God. It's okay. See, it doesn't matter. I don't need to understand. But what mattered was I was telling God that I didn't care that I didn't understand. Get vulnerable with God. See, see what I'm saying is we need to familiarize ourselves with the water. You need to find out your, your love language, find out your way. See, if that means you need to climb a mountain, and read your word on top of a mountain because being God's creation, you feel closer to him, then do it. If that means you need to get on your surfboard and paddle out past all the waves and scream out to God with no one else around, you need to do it. See, church, we are in a time right now when there is an, where there is an outpouring of God's presence, of God's power here on the Gold Coast. There is a river flowing from heaven here on the Gold Coast. And if we aren't familiar with the water, if we don't know the water, we're not going to be able to catch it. See, we want to catch that water with intention. We don't want to just be swept away with it. See, churches. Not this one, obviously. <laughs> Churches are full of people that jumped in the water without being familiar, tried to fight the water because they didn't know the water, got burnt, went back to the bank, and never got back in. I just want to encourage you. You need to find, yeah. <laughs> so another place we used to holiday, besides the speech house and cool, we used to go to Caloundra. Now, if you know Caloundra, you'll know it's where the Pumstone Passage comes out and meets the ocean. So on one side, it's calm, sheltered waters. And on the other side, it's a surf beach, right? So we would go, we went there for years, like year after year. And me as a kid, I was obsessed with fishing. I'm not too interested in swimming, but fishing was what I loved, right? My brothers, though, were obsessed with boogie boarding, obsessed with skimboarding, whatever it was, they just wanted to swim. So we split our time between fishing and swimming. Anyway, one year, they got obsessed with skimboards. I don't know if you guys know what skimboards are. 
but they're these, these, these stupid little bits of ply <laughs> that you're supposed to like run up onto the shallow water and throw down and you, you sort of ride along the, the shallow water and some people do amazing things and ride up waves with them and stuff like this. But the problem was mum bought three of them and I'm pretty sure my one was broken because whenever I did it, I'd either face plant or end up on my backside, right? <laughs> So while my brothers were doing this and we were on the sheltered side because this is what they wanted to do, I went and swam on this one patrolled beach that they had on the sheltered side. And as I'm swimming out in the water, I noticed these group of local kids that are swimming out further than anyone else. And so they're swimming out and then all of a sudden they're getting taken by this current up, up probably about 100 meters up the, up the beach and then sort of getting spat back out and coming up and running down the beach and doing it again. Right, and I saw that, and I was interested, so I asked one of them about it, and they told me, well, there's this rip you can catch. If you're here at the right time, there's this rip, and you can jump in it, and, it, and it'll take you to there, and it'll spit you out. It won't take you any further. It's perfectly safe, and you run back. I mean, the lifeguards would yell at them every time they did it, obviously, but... So I, I, I hyped myself up. I'm like, well, yeah, this looks like fun. I'm going to do it. So I swam out to this rip, to, to this current. And I know if you know the Pumicestone Passage, you know it can move quite quickly at times, Right? I swam out to it, and can I tell you, when I swam into this current, it terrified me, right? Everything in my body was like, you need to fight this, this isn't right, you need to get out of this. But see, I had to trust the people that had gone before me. I had to trust the people that I had seen swimming in the river beforehand and trust that the water wasn't going to change. See, the problem comes, in, and I'm sure we all know this, but the quickest way to get in trouble in moving water is to fight it. See, we can't change what the Spirit is doing. We can't direct where the Spirit is going. What we can do is catch on to where it's going and go with it. And trust it. Trust the Holy Spirit. God's not going to do you dirty. <laughs> Come on. Now, I feel like Jesus mentions this river as well. In John chapter 7, verse 37 to 9, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Upon that time... The Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So my second point is, let the river flow. First Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? See, Ezekiel saw a river flowing from the temple. You are God's temple right? John tells us in verse 39 there that by, he, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The river, the living water is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, not some, not one or two, not most, whoever believes in him, rivers of living water will flow from within them. We had youth camp here uh, a few weeks ago now, and on the second session, Poppy led this room full of like about 200 young people, led us all into this moment where we were waiting for God. 
waiting on God. And, and can I tell you, it's a powerful room to be in when you're in a room that big with, with that many young people that are so hungry for God. Young people that can't sit school, still in school, but they'll sit there for 10, 15, 20 minutes quietly waiting on God. And can I tell you that I had an encounter with God there that changed my life. See, uh, <laughs> I had the, he gave me this series of visions, and I really want to share one with you. There's a few things that happened in this encounter, but I want to share this vision with you because I believe this applies to the church. Right, it was this vision, and it started out with a cup. A cup that was sort of tilted and pouring out, right? And then it, and then it zoomed out, and there was another cup that was pouring into the cup that was pouring out. But this top cup, it, it, it was like a bottomless cup. It was without end. It was just a constant flow, an, an unending flow of water pouring out of this cup. And see, this changed the way that I, I think about ministry. Right, see, up, up until this point, I always thought ministry was this thing where I'd take my cup and in my quiet time with God, I'd fill my cup up and then I'd go and I'd do ministry over here and I'd pour my cup out. But once it was empty, I had to go back over here to fill my cup up again. You know, some days you wouldn't have enough time, so you just get enough for yourself to have a drink. Other times you're like, man, I've got a youth camp coming. I've got to fill like six cups and we go over here and pour it all out, right? To see what, what God was showing me, what the Holy Spirit was showing me in this vision is that it isn't a fill up, pour out season. This isn't a fill up, pour out season. This is a let it flow season. This is a open up the floodgates and let the Spirit flow season. You know, that same Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about will be living water that will flow from within everyone who believes in Him. Is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same Holy Spirit that is waiting to be a river flowing from you into your world, into your family, into your schools, maybe. Um, <laughs> into your workplaces, into your communities, right? See, see, at youth, we have this overarching theme over the last couple of years, overarching vision, and it's, it's a simple one. It's GC for JC. See, we live, we, we do ministry from this point of view where we believe we are going to see the Gold Coast saved for Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 47 verse 9 says, Swarms of living creatures will live everywhere, wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So there, so were the... So where the river flows, everything will live. Now, I, don't, I, I can't remember, actually. I think it might have been Claire said a couple of weeks ago, she, she encouraged the men of the church to start reading Acts. So I went home and I'm like, I'm going to read Acts again, right? And can I tell you, as I'm reading Acts, all I can see is rivers of living water flowing through Acts. When, when Peter gets up and preaches that first sermon and 3,000 people are saved, does that not sound like salt water becoming fresh? When Peter's walking down the street and his shadow is touching people and people are getting healed, does that not sound like living water overflowing out of Peter's life? When Philip goes to Samaria and whole towns are saved... 
Does that not sound like rivers of living water? It's time to get excited, church. It's time to get excited, church. If it can happen there, it can happen here. (laughs) Come on. We will see the Gold Coast saved. See, fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engleam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Are you ready to spread your nets? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm excited, church. I, oh, man, I'm sorry. I can't put into words how excited I am for this season that we are coming into right now, for what is happening, for this river that is flowing. Verse 11, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. See, my third point is this. It's no flow, is a no-go. I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast that goes up every week of all the messages that are preached at Highway. It's, it's great. I encourage you to do it. We, we live in such an awesome time where this is so accessible to us. Right? We can get such good teaching, even just from coming within our own church. So, so I was going through this week and I was listening to, to Pastor Dave's message again. I listened to Pastor B's and, and they had a guest speaker as well in the morning. I listened to him at Ormo as well. But Pastor B said something that I feel like has been in my spirit for a while, but I, I don't know if I haven't known how to say it or felt like it's not my place to say it. But he, he said this, the reason the church hasn't taken over the world yet is because it's been kept in these four walls. See, a swamp or a marsh is defined by, by it having no flow. A swamp or a marsh is somewhere where water comes in, but water doesn't go out. See, there's significance in the start of Ezekiel 47. I don't know if you've noticed how many times he points out the fact that the river is flowing east. Right, if we look through the Old Testament, we can see right, that when something is going east, it's going away from God. When Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, they will cast out the eastern side. When Cain murdered his brother Abel and, and, and fled from God and was banished, he, he fled to the east. When Jacob stole his brother's birthright, he, he fled from his father and from his brother to the east. When Israel was taken to, to, to Babylon, Babylon is in the east. See, when something is going east, it's going away from God. And this is important because this river is flowing away from God. It's flowing down into the Dead Sea. It's flowing to where there isn't God, to where redemption is needed, to where life is needed to bring. See, the Dead Sea, I don't know if you know this, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. It's it's, it's below 430 meters below sea level, right? Whatever flows in there doesn't flow out. And there's so much salt there's so much salt in this water that nothing can live. But see what, 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 what this is. <laughs> this river is flowing. This river is flowing into the lowest place, the lowest of lows, and it is turning salt water fresh. 
but there are these places called swamps and marshes that will be left for the salt, that won't turn fresh. And see, if each and every one of us has a river of living water flowing from within us, we run the risk of directing the river back into God's house instead of away from God to the people that need it. And that water becomes stale, that water becomes stagnant, and that water will be left for the salt. So my challenge for you today, the the, the challenge I want you to take home and I want you to think about is what direction is your river flowing? Because it's not a question. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. See, it's time we stop directing the flow back into the church. It's time we start letting this river flow to the low places. It's time this, we let this river flow to the dead places. It's time we let it flow into the, to the wilderness places where there is no life, where there is no hope. And this, this river of living water that is the Spirit will bring life, will bring abundance, will, will, will set the captives free. So each and every one of us here, each and every believer is called to do two things, to spread the gospel and to make disciples. To spread the gospel and to make disciples. Now we can't do that if our river is facing inside the church. We can't do that if we're not letting the Holy Spirit out to flow into our communities, into our families, into our workplaces, into our city. So I want to encourage you. You, see, you are called and you are anointed to let your river flow outside of the church. Now I want to do something a bit youthy with you guys right now. Is that okay? I want to speak a scripture over you. All right, and I'm going to change the point of view on this scripture. I'm going to change it from me to you just so it can sink into you, okay? But it'll be up on the screen. But if I can get you to close your eyes as I do this and just let this soak into you. As Luke 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Doesn't that sound like rivers of living water, guys? Come on. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would help us direct our flow out of the church into our worlds, Lord, wherever that needs to be, whether that needs to be our workplaces, Lord, whether that needs to be be our, our, our community, our schools, whether that needs to be our neighbors, our family, Lord. Teach us, give us the wisdom, give us the guidance, give us what we need to be able to direct this flow into our community to start to see this living water bring life and bring abundance and, and and bring redemption to the world around us, Lord. Lord, help us to be familiar with your presence. Help us to be familiar with you. 
so that, Lord, when, when, when it comes time to jump in the river, Lord, we, we are familiar with it and we can ride that river, we can catch that river, Lord, and not just be swept away with what you're doing. Lord, thank you we get to live at a time such as this. We get to see your power. We get to, we get to experience your presence, Lord. Help us bring this to our world, Lord. Help us take it outside of this building, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to I give you a chance in here. If, if, if maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to I give you an opportunity. If you haven't experienced this God that will give you a, a fresh start, this God that gives you living water that will flow from within you, See, what Jesus did when he died on the cross, when he went up to the cross, what Jesus did was that the barrier that was between us and God, the barrier that meant we were separate, we couldn't, we couldn't commune with God, was torn down. No longer did we have to go through someone else or, 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 or go through a, an extensive route to get to God, but instead now he was accessible and he's ready to have that intimate relationship, to have that deep personal relationship with God. And I want to give you the opportunity in here today, if you've never said yes to that, or, or, or maybe you have, but you've walked away, I want to give you the opportunity right now, while everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to give you the opportunity just to put your hand up and I want to pray with you. So what Jesus promises us is a brand new start. What Jesus promises us is that our old life is washed away and we're given this new life that is with him and done with him. Sometimes we just need that opportunity. We need someone to give us that, that bunting, that, that push. See, you could go home and make this decision at home. But there's an accountability when you do it in a room full of people. So if that is you this morning, can I just ask you to raise your hand and I just want to pray with you. Awesome. Well, hey, it's been such a pleasure, church. It's been such an honor to come and share the word with you tonight, uh, this morning. And um, yeah, I think I'm gonna hand back over to Nick. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.